0: Welcome back to the Should Have Backed It podcast. This is episode six, looking back over the Sandown and Newcastle meetings. As always, I'm joined by racing analyst, the Herald Sun, Chris Finuccio. Mate, I hear your tips are airborne at the moment. (laughs) How (laughs) did you go at Sandown
1: on the weekend? Uh, Thanks, Phil. Um, Yeah, I didn't do too badly at Bendigo last week. And yeah, Sandown wasn't too bad. It was a good meeting, a little bit down on quality on past years, but still 10 winners to be found there and many of them good prices.
0: Yeah, I think it was a, a day for um, you know the true believers in terms of some of those horses that may have backed during the carnival have actually got the job done uh, on the uh, on the sandown yeah.
1: meet. And when I was doing the form, uh, to be honest, I was I went into that sandown meeting with a little bit of a negative mindset because when I was doing the form, I thought you know these horses aren't really that good. You know, when you compare it to past years, you know, expecting a little bit more quality out there. So I reckon that's something that I can just work on yeah uh, you know, I went in with that negative mindset and I think that's probably put me off you know really having a good go at Sandown because at the end of the day it looked like a you know a decent meeting some good races and some good opportunities there yeah and
0: the cream rose to the top at the end of the day with some um some of those better horses getting the yeah. job done
1: and and one of the themes that I picked up on yesterday was um if you were a forgiving punter you you could have got um some decent Results yesterday. A couple of horses, you know, Southern France, Viradine, and even at Newcastle with Asiago and Savatiano. They all had excuses last start. They've come out and won at decent odds. And, you know, Asiago at Mooney Valley, I think I had it as a top selection, ran second last, goes around at $21 at Newcastle and gets up. Well, hopefully you yeah. are, a, you know, yeah. a forgiving man, big oh. We're on all this. <laughs> no, I wish I was. When it comes to the punt, I can do. Yeah, you know, a little bit more forgiving. And and I think that's uh, an important lesson as well. You know, just reasons why horses got rolled last start. You know, look at Viridine, EIPH, in the Zutori race. But I think this leads into your should have backed it from the weekend. Yeah, it does nicely. So probably the one I, on reflection, should
0: have been on was Southern France in the Zipping Classic. I mean, we I think you ended up getting $3, $3.20 about a horse that was quite well-specked for the Melbourne Cup itself. Mm. I know you had it on top for the Melbourne Cup and, and likely had it on top yesterday as well, but with that field and looking at the quality in that field, I was a little bit disappointed that I didn't get on that yesterday. I actually stayed out of the race yeah. completely, but in, in you know, on reflection, uh did look to be the clear top pick in yeah. class edge. And it was a race field.
1: with plenty of uncertainty and I mean, I had, yeah, I did as you mentioned, I had him on top for the Melbourne Cup, not sure what we were going to expect at Sandown, but he got the The pace that he probably needed in the Melbourne Cup and although it was from the the stable mate that's what he looked like he that was missing from the Melbourne Cup and midway through the race you would have been feeling comfortable that you weren't on him because he looked like he was really getting urged along really early in that race and all of a sudden he's gone from he can't win or he didn't look like winning at the two hundred metre mark, he was the only horse going to win. Yeah, well, at the top
0: of the straight, and just as I'll they'll, they'll turn around the bend at sand down there, I turned to the person next to me and said, I don't I don't think Southern France has any mm. chance here. It looked like it was going to finish last. Yeah. And then as you say, even at about the two fifty, it still looked like it was just gonna battle yeah. on for midfield on us, and then just went bang. So I think that the class edge just showed in the end and it's that last sprint was um quite
1: startling yeah. really. And I thought Chapada was tracking into that race um perfectly at the 400 350 he still hadn't been asked for an effort but when that came he just didn't have that turn of foot to get a few lengths on the rest of the field if he was able to do that southern France may not have been able to to catch him so yeah it was just a um you know maybe the quality of the field you know just too good in the end and past the post you know southern France was was running away from them so I, I think I thought the 2400 was probably too short for him, but his classes got him over the line. And I thought um, Humidor was a bit disappointing. He, he's had, um, you know, well, obviously the best is past him, but yeah, you know, expected a little bit better. But you know, yeah, it's been you a know, weird, go. weird yeah.
0: prep for Humidor. Obviously, they were expecting to run it in the Cox plate, but it's uh, had a bit of a weird sort of racing schedule, um, a bit of an unusual one, I think. So it hasn't really fired oh. a shot. All spring.
1: No, no who knows um, what's next for Humidor. at We'll see maybe in the autumn or whether they retire him. But, yeah, it wasn't the um, you know, campaign they were looking for.
0: Yeah, and look, uh, I think you were spot on. I mean, and that's the reason I was disappointed I missed Southern France. I mean, if you've got horses like Chapada and Miss Siska in behind it, You know, they're, they're quality horses and certainly competitive in these types of races, but just nothing on yeah. a, a high-quality international yeah. like um, Southern France. In terms of your should have backed it for the weekend, I know that you've mentioned a couple of horses already, but which one were you sort of looking back on?
1: Yeah, the one that I probably should have got on in hindsight was Goldfields Mm. in race four. I mean, he's in the the form of his career at the moment, but he's always underestimated and I suppose maybe it's because he's a seven-year-old, but he's won three of his last four starts and he's won at Moonee Valley and now at Sandown and, you know, that's Two contrasting tracks. Yeah, very to win versatile. At. Yeah, and yeah, it's just um, just a great galloper. You know what you're going to get from him, and you know, obviously he's not in the top echelon of horses, but he's very talented, and you know, he's a type of horse where you know his trainer can just you know pick his targets because he knows you know what effort he's going to get from him because he's very consistent, and you know, just one that I would, I wouldn't say was under my guard. I did have him as the second selection, but I just couldn't put him above Turf, but, you know, just very good, you know, backable leechway price and, yeah, one that I thought got away. Well, speaking of consistent horses, and a
0: nice segue into my should have sacked it for the weekend, that being Turf in the same race. Uh, I mean, I love the horse and, you know, it always gives a really good sight uh, generally, but yesterday just didn't fire a shot and I think at $2.50, I was pretty
1: disappointed to be on it in the end unusual um with widgey turf he looked like he was going to be in for a big prep at the start when he was i think he finished third behind be good to your mother and you know that was a really brutal race then he was unlucky or not unlucky but he just missed at the valley he was scratched i think on stakes day yeah it looked like this might have been the race he might have been um set for but yeah just didn't look like he was um it was his day yesterday
0: yeah look i've Learned with widgeturf Turf now that don't back it in small fields. It really likes those big fields where it can sit back yeah. on, a, on a genuine tempo and storm around yeah. the outside. When it's in these small fields, I mean, they had it up third yesterday, yeah. I think, first on the rail, and it just doesn't seem to fire when, yeah. in you know, those slowly run races or ones where, you know, there's not too yeah. many horses involved. And I've been stung by that a few times now, which is disappointing and, again, got caught up yeah. in it. But yesterday was particularly concerning yeah. because it just didn't fire a shot. So definitely, a should have sacked it for me. You know, next time it runs, I'll probably be on it again. But yesterday, I was pretty disappointed with that run. Well, to
1: don't be don't give up on him. I think he's a he's a good horse. Just circumstances didn't go his way. Now looking at my should have sacked it from Sandown, and I'm, I've got a two in one. Oh, I'm gonna go, go. I'm going to go with the uh, the two Charlie Appleby horses, Dubai and Setting Sail. I thought I'll I'll group them together into one, and. I wasn't sure what to make of these horses because, you know, with Charlie Appleby, he's got a good record in Australia. You know, when he brings his horses, there's every chance that they're a lot better than what we've got. So obviously, and more particularly with setting sail, you know, he really dominated that market. I think he opened, uh, his starting price was $2.05. And there's still a bit of uncertainty with these horses because, you know, we don't see them. That was its first start, wasn't it? In yeah, Australia. Well, in Australia. Yeah. Dubai ran in the autumn and he pulled up lame. And again, he he started favourite and I think he really did drift and the money came for Home of the Brave. Um, but when you go look at the setting sale race, as I mentioned, he was dominant in the market. And you look at a horse like Pacadali who looked like he was ready to win, but because you had this Charlie Appleby horse that you don't know how good he can be, you I know, just stayed out of the race, you know, just not sure what to do. And and that's the hard thing with the internationals. It sort of does, you either back them or it does put you off really getting involved.
0: Yeah, I thought $2 on setting Sale was was way too short, so I I stayed out of that race. But But I think you might be a little bit harsh on both of the runs. I think, you know, you had a second and a fourth and Dubai actually hit the line really well. Well, not
1: being harsh on the runs. It's more, it does stop you from you know taking part in the race because you look at a pacadali and you go well he's building up to win something but can he beat setting sail if setting sails not in that field you probably do go pacadali you might get you know maybe 3 350 for him but because you got you know this dominant favorite in the race it sort of does deter you taking him on taking him on a bit
0: yeah that I mean that's a fair point I mean both of the horses though I think you've got a run for your money but yeah at the end of the day it does add a layer of complexity I think yeah. to to the betting element and when you're seeing $2 about a horse sight unseen just about yeah. it's, a, it's a risky game to get involved in and I'm sure a few people were knocked out of quaddies etc yeah. you know put, take, putting setting sale one out and I know a lot of pun- um, tipsters before the races were had that as their bet of the day. You know, you know we're going to bring home the bacon in the last race. And yeah, I think a few people would
1: have been coming out of that pretty disappointed. Yeah, yeah they would be. And talking about best of the days oh, or best bets for the days. So mine <laughs> came earlier in the day and in race three with Key Long. And the reason I wanted to bring up this horse was I was really keen to back it. When I got my ratings on the Friday afternoon, he was paying $2.70. I think well, it might be a she, I'm not sure, but it was $2.70 Friday afternoon. Then all of a sudden, an hour, two hours later, he was $2.25, $2.40. And I thought, oh, this has gone from a must bet to I could probably get left leave this alone because it just was too short, rock mm. bottom, But then an hour before the race, I saw 270 was back up, and I thought, "All right, I'm going to get involved here." And I was on the Friday. I was hoping that he might have drifted out to three dollars, push out maybe a little bit further. But you do see a lot, quite often, a lot of market moves on that Friday afternoon and Friday evenings. And sometimes you just got to just be patient, wait the next day, and hope that price gets out. More often than not, it does come back out to the price that. that you're hoping to get or the minimum price you're willing to take. I think that's happening more and more and I was, I was speaking to a, a
0: mate the other day also looking at the fixed market as well now so you don't, you're don't, you not having to experience those fluctuations. I mean, if you see a horse that you like at $2.70 that you think's a must bet at $2.70 and you're getting that on the fixed market, there's an argument for getting in either early or waiting yeah. late to the, to the actual, um, to the tab comes out as well because yeah, you're right, you're getting a lot of, groundswell of support for these horses but then some are coming out a little bit late such as Keylong did yesterday yeah. and it did look a great bet on the day I know people were questioning whether it would see out the 1400 but I thought its previous run at Flemington showed that it would yeah. and yeah it did just look like a class edge on those on those horses in that race
1: Yeah I did see one person did have it as a, a lay horse because of that distance doubt but when you look at that Flemington run Okay, it had the run of the race, but that was first time fourteen hundred. It only just got run down late. This was a a step down in terms of depth. Oh, well, for sure. Yeah, and and stayed at the fourteen hundred. I thought, no, I don't have a problem with this horse running out fourteen hundred here. And um, yeah, it was just I thought it was just a fantastic ride as well um, by Luke Curry. He was on fire as yeah, well. at It's easy watch that one yeah, actually. Yeah, a very couple easy. easy
0: watches yesterday. But, yeah. Uh, that was that was right up there, and yeah. another good front running ride. We had another one with Linda Meach on Jamaican Rain as well later in the day. But yeah, uh, definitely good bet, Big V. I'm glad it was your best of the day, and I hope a few people yeah. were following you in on that.
1: Well, I'm glad I got a price that I could back of that. You know, two seventy an hour before the race wasn't a bad price. Twenty four hours earlier, it was probably too short. I was hoping to pinch maybe three dollars, but wasn't to be. But it just it just shows that you just got to just wait, bide your time, and just if the price does come out before beforehand, which it can do, you have just got to jump on and and take it. Now, not
0: relevant to this race, Big V, but certainly something that we discussed last week in relation to the whip use and horses that are you know whether jockeys, what what should happen to a jockey should they overuse the whip. I'm interested to th- hear your thoughts on this. Yesterday on the Saturday at Sandown. There were ten races. How many of the winning jockeys do you think overused their whip and were sanctioned
1: as a result of that? Geez, that's a tough question. Well, now that you have brought up the the question, there must have been a couple. But I would have thought oh, I'll have to be at least one, maybe two. There were three. So um, we had Mark Zara
0: in uh, on, his right, on his ride yeah. on Southern France overused a whip, and I think he had the whip out at about the six hundred, yeah. just trying to get the horse going. Um, and Linda Meach uh, also on Jamaican Rain, and and I, a and I race earlier in the day, and I've just just slipped my memory. But so we've had three occasions where the winning rider has overused the whip. In two of those um, cases, it's been a small fine because the jockeys yeah. have had uh you know don't have a, a previous um, sort of history, and then another we've had a sanction there with Mark Zara, who's obviously got some form there. So I guess. If you're backing the horses that ran second in those races, and Jamaican Reign only won by a nose, you might be a little bit disappointed that your jockey didn't overuse the whip and, and get the result for you.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, then if you back the winner, you, you don't want to to lose as well. So it's a it's a tough one. But look, if you're going to have a whip rule, you've got to enforce it, or you've got to you know get serious about it and, and let the jockeys know. It's just a it's just a tough one, and it doesn't surprise me that Southern France. Overuse the whip you know, now that you um you see how much pressure it was under way out from the finish that makes a lot of sense but look i think the you know racing australia and the stewards they've just got to make a stand on it they've got to go one way or the other you either punish them or you either just change the rule get rid of the rule
0: and the other the, the other one that I that slipped my mind was actually Stevie Bastor on Goldfield. Yeah. So I I guess from his perspective didn't have much to lose in his yeah. last ride, but also a another closely yeah. run race. So again, if you're on the second mm-hmm. horse, it's um I think it's yeah. one that we need to just keep an eye on yeah. because, uh you know these small sanctions that are coming
1: through uh yeah. not yeah it's, of, not not great for them. it's not a deterrent it's not a deterrent it's not
0: good for punters yeah. either.
1: And the last point I want to make on the rip rule, I think it's a, a little bit of a dog's breakfast as well because. You've got the same restrictions in a 1,000-metre race compared to a 3,200-metre race. So maybe this won't be such an issue if for staying races 2,000 metres and above that the restrictions can just maybe be eased a little bit. So maybe that's one solution as well. So that's enough for the, um, the whip debate. The yeah, we're probably, uh, we've probably overdone that one a little bit. But, uh, let's, we can but move there's on. one horse that you wanted to talk about up in Newcastle. Uh, yesterday one, one horse that you were on yesterday yeah That's look, a good, I think it's a good talking yeah, point
0: it's, look I think I, I was definitely talking through my wallet when I, I flicked you a message uh, following race 7 at Newcastle yesterday I was on outrageous and I think I said something along the lines of that was an outrageous ride by the uh, the, the young apprentice You were outraged. I was outraged, yeah. Brock, Brock Ryan, I, look, I don't want to knock the guy. No, I mean, no. He's a but young, but young rider. Don't get stuck three. into
1: apprentices.
0: No. Not at all. But uh, look, it was a bit of a nightmare scenario yeah. for, the young, yeah. for the young bloke. Uh, caught behind on the fence, two horses yeah. going breakneck speed throughout the race and you just knew they were coming back to the yeah. field and being on outrageous, I'm just thinking, get get him out, mm-hmm. get it out, get it out and just couldn't yeah. and it basically got stuck in behind them yeah. and it was just a horror watch yeah. really for anyone that was on yeah. it.
1: But we, we don't want to bag you know, jockeys or bag rides, you know, we just want to look at the facts and the reason why this is a good discussion point is he was a three kilo claimer on a horse that was in the market, he was one of the favourites or maybe the favourite. And he was only carrying 57 and a half, So it's not like it's a an impossible weight. And you just... What's the three kilo claimer? What difference does he make or having three kilos less compared to having experienced jockey on board? I mean, is, is three kilos that big a difference? I mean, I, I don't think weight is such a, a big deal that a lot of people make it out to be. You know, you haven't experienced jockey on the horse at 57 and a half kilos you will get a different result
0: and look we don't know the horse we don't know if it, no. how it carries weight whether it's a small horse but and in, and to Brock's credit rode it really well the previous start for a win at Rose Hill so certainly not mm. knocking the rider but it's I guess that claim three thing is is quite an interesting thing for mm. punters to look out for I mean outrageous look to be me the clear top pick in that race so you've got the favorite Claiming three, and it wasn't like it was carrying sixty-two and a half mm-hmm. kilos and needed, you know, three off the back. So you still failed at fifty-seven and a half. It, it, it could win the race. Uh, I would also like to see, you know, jockeys getting their chance in these types of races to um to perform well. But it was it was just a horror watch, big V. Just a yeah. horror watch.
1: But you did you did mention that he rode him the start before, and I suppose you you probably do deserve to stay on the horse. And if we you talked about Linda yeah. Meach
0: earlier in the, in yeah. the, in the, in the podcast yeah. series about how she should have yeah. stayed on. You know, she had that rapport, yeah. she'd had the successes on the horse yeah. and probably a similar situation here. Yeah. But I do contrast it with a ride of Willie Pike in a, yeah. Ascot later in the day who in the last there was caught in a pretty similar situation. And if you watch that race, um, brought the horse out in just yeah. an absolute peach of a ride and pulled it it out, got it three Mm -hmm. wide, and it it ran around the field and won. So you can see there the distinction between what an experienced jockey can do
1: in in that situation compared to perhaps a younger, a learning jockey. And, um, And just going back to Brock Ryan on Outrageous, when he did win on him, I mean, he was carrying 60 kilos, going down to 57 in a benchmark 78, and here he's gone to a benchmark 88, Outrageous. And so fifty-seven and a half. That's not a big impost. I mean, I think weight is overrated. I mean, these are five hundred kilogram horses. I mean, I I'm hearing I hear people talk about oh, there's a one kilo weight swing, two kilo weight swing. <laughs> well, what's that going to make a difference to a five hundred kilo horse? I mean, you go back to still Prince beating Surprise Baby in the Andrew Ramsden earlier this year. That was a, that was a six and a half kilo weight swing. Made no difference. Horse still beat it. So I just think ra- weight. That's one of the last factors that I look at when I do the form. I think there's other elements you look at. You look at position in running, tempo, barrier, all these other factors...
0: I think Then you look at why. I think you're right when you're talking around the fringes. If you're talking two or three kilos, absolutely, I agree with that. But if, in races where you might have a horse 61 kilos and one fifty fifty four, 54, I think seven kilos does make a legitimate difference. I think that's a, a big difference in weight. So in those circumstances, you might want to put on a, an apprentice. You might want to put on a younger jockey to get a couple of those yeah. kilos back. So I think you're right. There's a whole host of other factors to consider, but... At those bigger spreads of weight, a three kilo mm. advantage can be yeah. can be really significant.
1: And just to wrap up that race, outrageous, which was race seven at Newcastle, you talked about the the leaders. I mean Murillo did a fant- exceptional job to hold on for seconds. He was part of that that speed and only got beat by half a length. So if he pulls up well, I wouldn't mind having a look at him and see where he goes next and you know stick with him. And the other horse I wanted to mention that is worth following was Live and Free. It finished ninth, so nothing special, beaten 4 lengths and was a $51 shot. But last campaign, I did see that first up, he was beat 4.5 lengths at over 1,400. So the 1,300 here was unsuitable. And um, last campaign, he really did improve second up and was you know starting to peak third up, fourth up. And I was on him when you at Eagle Farm when he was a good thing beat. And that was the same day Vow and Declare won as well. So interesting to see live and free first up here. And I'm gonna have a look and see whether he's a Magic Millions horse because he's a horse to to keep an eye on, maybe third up, fourth up, when he gets to those staying distances.
0: I love the way you're thinking there. And the, um, often we get horses to follow where there's a nice run into third or fourth, but a, you found one that's finished ninth, and I think that's right. That's a perfect horse to follow yeah. in terms of looking at much longer into it yeah. its preparation, and sometimes horses aren't you know, yeah. set for their first up run, so unsuitable distance, yeah. maybe even unsuitable track. Yeah. So. and he was
1: doing his best work in that last 200 metres, so I wouldn't back him second up, see how he goes. He's one to get ready for. Third up, fourth up, yeah, you know, maybe even fifth run. But it'll be interesting to see where he does go. I mean, I'm gonna have a look and see if he's a, a Magic Millions horse because it's interesting that he's you know first up now. When you look at Vow and Declare, they ran on the same day at Eagle Farm back in June. Yeah, and you know Vow and Declare's had a campaign, won a Melbourne Cup, and we're we're only just seeing live and free now. So yeah,
0: obviously setting it for something pretty strategically yeah. there. I'd say yeah, just. Briefly, while we're talking about the Newcastle meeting, what did you think of the new $1 million
1: race up there that Savitiano got the, the biscuits in? Well, Savitiano, I'm glad you mentioned her. I mean, that's, that was another should have backed it, I reckon. because um, <laughs> well, I missed the race, so I haven't even seen it yet. So you'll have to talk all about that one. It was just the way she won at Caulfield over 1,400, just led and controlled the race and just was too good, just pulled away from them. Nothing else was going to catch her. At 1,300, she's just lethal. She's had, her. I reckon, her two biggest and best wins was at 1300 1400 sees her out she's still pretty strong she just doesn't run 1600 and we saw that in the empire rose i was on her last year at mooney valley at 1600 which she was beaten as a two dollar favorite and i just think you know i mentioned earlier in the podcast you know forgiving horses it's sort of like you just don't want to see her in the 1600 meter race anymore because you know she won't do well and it just puts you off her if she went into the Hunter straight out of that 1400 meter Caulfield win she wouldn't have paid seven dollars here she would have been a maybe three fifty four dollar chance
0: honest horse isn't it I mean she she always gives you a good sight it's good to see her get a real big race there on 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 the weekend and I'll have to take a look because uh yeah as I said I missed that one I guess the other thing as we we move along is uh run from the bush we've we've gone through a couple of horses that you can follow there and taking a look back at Sandown and Newcastle. Well, so, you were at Cranbourne on oh. Saturday
1: night. Surely there was one there that you found?
0: <laughs> I can't say there was, to be honest. It was a pretty um, mixed card in terms of the quality, but it was great to get down to Cranbourne mm. on Saturday night after the big race meeting in, in Sandown. Mm. And big crowd mm. for the tricodes meeting. So they mm. had the harness and the, uh, the dogs going around as well. Every every 10 minutes we had a race, which, mm. is, uh, which is a bit
1: of, bit of yeah. fun. I know this is your segment, but I thought the winner <laughs> of the first race... Looked all right, Moi Choi. Yeah, no, you could be right. I was actually.
0: I had I had one in the second. So um, one of my dads was running, so I wasn't concentrating too hard on the first Mm. race. I'll I'll be honest, but uh, yeah, look, it was a great day down there. They um, certainly put on a good show. I hadn't been to Cranbourne itself for a few years now, and they've definitely regenerated the the facility, put out a nice deck there, and they got a great crowd. I, I think that's the kind of event that that club, given its unique capacity to do events like that um, might be looking to do more of i think because it really is
1: a a fantastic to see all the different um you know codes all at once yeah Yeah, i'm looking forward to going there one night it's um one meeting on the list that i would like to tick off and and go just for the experience and you know just be non-stop action you know every 10 minutes there'd be a race happening whether yep. it's a greyhound or harness.
0: There was so much action that I actually missed that last at Ascot, which I wanted to get on Pikey's horse, the one I talked about earlier. So it actually cost me a little bit with all the action going on, but it was just a, a sight to be seen. You had the harness horses going around, warming up while the, the thoroughbreds were racing and, you know, dogs coming on not too much after. So congrats to the team down at Cranbourne. Um, had, a, had a great
1: night down there. So what was your country horse you're going you're gonna to keep an eye on?
0: Uh oh, look I don't have one big V. I I just like we'll just I just enjoy team. we'll go with the one I just wanted to, I just wanted to talk about Cranve and Tricote. I, don't, I, don't, I don't, didn't follow any horses out of it. Just had a good night. Um, so that's probably a, a wrap for this week's show. I just wanted to let everyone know that this is our second last show of the season. We're going to come back in 2 weeks to take a look at Ascot and the Perth Carnival and and maybe talk about the winner bottom and a few of the races that had occurred and and look forward into that carnival. In the meantime, if you want to contact us, um, please do so at the it at com email address or on Twitter at it. Um, I, I You'll be pleased to know a bit of feedback from um, one of our avid listeners was that uh, a good buffet restaurant in Melbourne for you to check out was the Langham. So
1: yeah. that might be one to, to, to we'll note in your book. Out. Yeah, have if- had some... Yeah good words about the Langham I should check it out um how much how much is the uh buffet there oh look I'm not you might have to
0: check that one out around the same price as you want in on the Gold Coast 75 80 it's not
1: not a big impost for me but I know that if we do go as a as our punters club there might be a a few people that you know might be might be put off by that price but you know good (laughs)
0: feed is a good feed and something else that crossed my desk, Big V, um, was a little. Uh, oh, just now was w- it? Well, it's across my desk quite recently. Actually, <laughs> was something that I found in the uh, Herald Sun paper, letter to the editors. You've managed to,
1: to get yourself a, a pretty big yeah, fan. Well, I don't, I don't read the uh, letters to the editors. Oh, so let, you have let to me read me it out
0: for you. So, Mike Slattery, it was for Morty Alec, uh, obviously a big fan of yours, wrote, "Could you please confer the Australian of the Year?" on your racing tips to Chris Vinicio. That's a, that's a big plaudit. He tips seven winners and a third at Bendigo on Wednesday. What an act to follow. Mm, well, that's, so uh, you've obviously got a bit of a following down in Mordial. Well, now. that's
1: a very uh, kind words from Mike, and, you know, we'll confirmed that he he is not an uncle that uh, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I don't know what I can say well what, what can I say just oh, look, one no just just take it in your stride mate seven wins and a third on a card not many people no. can say they've done that no it was pretty good but I did uh, a little bit of come, room for improvement there yeah I know. So. I did and I did come back crashing to earth at the valley on Friday night which always happens oh you're too modest chris that's obviously a huge effort and well
0: done on that so thanks to everyone for listening um speak to you all in two weeks time and in the meantime please feel free to uh, review our podcast or subscribe to the podcast or or send us a note and in the meantime good luck on the punt